are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back, family, to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, chilling with my guy, Frank Tucker, representing the crib, South Florida. We represent CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. And guess what? It's spring football. Spring football will be starting next week for the Miami Hurricanes. So we'll be discussing some position battles, as well as who starts at certain positions and We'll talk a little bit about the UA camp that's coming up this Sunday here in Miami. So a lot of talent from South Florida and beyond will be at Isaac State's Park on Sunday. But first, Frank, let's talk position battles for spring football, man. Which battle are you most intrigued to see going into next week? I'm really intrigued to see what that what happens with that third wide receiver spot, right? We're hearing rave reviews about Josiah Trader uh, with everybody inside the program, and, and we know the potential that is Isaiah Horton. Plus, you got to talk about what is Nathaniel Ray Ray Joseph to this offense? What is Robbie Washington to this offense? Right. Is Shamar Kirk going to be a guy that steps up? We were all super excited about Shamar Kirk when he first entered the program out of the JUCO ranks. He was productive. Uh, he, he you know, had the prototypical size that we wanted comparative to guys like Nathaniel Ray Ray Joseph. But I, I feel like there's so much talent in this receiver room comparative to years in the past. And I, honestly, another guy that isn't in the program yet because he's still in high school is Chance Robinson. Is, is there going to be an opportunity for Chance to make his way in, into one of those outside wide receiver parts if Maybe Jacoby George has another slip up. We've seen some off the field issues on his end, right? We've seen him have some inconsistencies on the field with personal fouls and things of that nature, suspensions in the first half. We know what Chance can do from a work standpoint. And he's been productive on the high school level at the highest level playing at St. Thomas Aquinas. But I, I, I really am excited to see what Josiah Trader can do as a true freshman, potential impact guy. I want to see Isaiah Horton step up. I think those are mostly the two guys at the forefront of taking that third receiver spot. I think that the tight end is probably going to be utilized a little bit more this year. Um, and, and I think that it, it's going to be more of a balanced offense from, from that perspective. So the third receiver spot is what I'm more excited about because I think it's going to be utilized so heavily this year for Miami. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I, it, it's really intriguing because – Isaiah Horton is is supposed to be a guy that is going to step up uh, in in that role, you would think, because of his size. And now that Kobe Young is now going to be a Georgia Bulldog, you would think he would be the guy to kind of step in and be that big time, big play receiver. The guy that to catch the fade routes in in, in the end zone is going to be uh, Isaiah Horton. And we all know Xavier Strepo is going to be starting in the slot. And I think you can also pencil in Jacoby George as a starter, despite, you know, some of his, you know, um, I, I guess, you know, mishaps that that have happened to him. But the three and four spots, I think it's all up for grabs. And I think uh, Jojo Trader, who we're watching the highlights from his senior year here, I think he has a great opportunity to 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 get into that spot if you know, Ray Ray Joseph is not the guy. I, I think he Ray Ray Joseph should be the guy 
because he's got that explosiveness and because you do not have a Brashard Smith on the team anymore, you need a guy who can really kind of take the top off of, off of the defense, which Ray Ray can definitely do with his speed. And then, and then Robbie too. Robbie is another explosive player. You just kind of want to see some consistency from him, um, you know, catching the football and uh, route and in his route running. So tight end is another interesting one for me. Tight end one is interesting for me because it's supposed to be Elijah Royo's year, right? Ain't it? It's supposed to be his year. I mean, and if it's not, then it's who? Riley Williams? Cam McCormick, we already know what kind of role he's going to play. He's going to be the blocking tight end um, for the most part. But when you need somebody to catch a football down the scene, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Riley Williams, you know, if Elijah Royo is not healthy enough or he's not showing the explosiveness that he's shown in his freshman and sophomore years. And if not, yeah, you, you got an Elijah Lofton that could possibly jump, you know, maybe all three, who knows, um, just as a maybe of a gadget type of player, a player that can play, you know, maybe an H-back type of role. So uh, as far as offense, yeah, those are the most intriguing for me. I think running back, we all know it's going to be Mark Fletcher. Once he becomes healthy, he's going to be out for the spring. Um, Henry Parrish and A.J. Allen are are kind of, I'm assuming, going to be the, the next two guys. And then hopefully we see a Trevante citizen start to get some carries and start to kind of rev up and, and make a comeback from his injury uh, two, almost two years ago. Uh, those are the most intriguing spots for me on offense. But what about on defense for you? It's going to be that nickel corner spot. Uh, are they going to move one of those outside guys, right? Is it going to be Daryl Porter Jr.? Are they going to move Damari Brown to that spot? Because I think Jadias Richard is going to be one of those outside corners. So it's really uh, figuring out who's going to play that Swiss Army knife type role. Because Daryl Porter showed he could be a plus tackler this past season. He did a much better job than I think a lot of people expected him to. Uh, Damari Brown has this prototypical size that you want to play basically any position on the back end of that defensive backfield. He's about six foot one, almost six foot two, uh, around 200 pounds, physically imposing, uh, and the versatility to play safety or corner. And that's really what that nickel spot is. It's a guy you can bring off the edge and is able to break some you know, get off blockers and, and, and he's able to make some plays in space while being a cover guy or a guy that's an overhang defender. So I'm intrigued to see how they utilize uh, the corners because um, I think Daryl Porter looked really good on the outside last year. And yeah. I think that Jadias Richard has the length and, and athleticism that they're looking for at the corner position moving forward. The question is, is Damari Brown going to outshine everybody at that outside corner spots where you can't move him uh, from a spot that he actually looked pretty solid with going against guys like Keon Coleman and, and some, you know, some of the best receivers in the ACC last year. Cause he, he was the guy that played before Jadias Richard just last season. Um, yeah. and, and I know there was a little bit more acclimation uh, that Richard needed just because of, uh, you know, his transfer, but overall, I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see who fits that mold because you don't have a Corey Couch there anymore. Um, I don't think any of the safeties are going to really fill that role. I think that the two safeties they got are going to be eventually be the two starters, uh, you know, over the top. Uh, and, and I don't think that 
Dylan Day is going to be ready to step into that position right away. There's going to be some physical development. There's going to be an acclimation to that level of competition. He played on a much smaller competition scale on Louisiana, uh, you know, high school football landscape. He was, he played at a much smaller school at Southern lab that was dominant and really good state championship contender on a yearly basis, but he just wasn't playing power five football talent on a weekend week out basis. So don't think he's going to be ready for that. And, and I, I think it's going to be either Daryl Porter or Damari Brown. I'm excited to see who takes it. Yeah, that, that is definitely an interesting one. I agree with you hundred percent, but for me, it's um, I don't think it's a, a total lock that Savion Riley is going to be the other safety. I, I feel like Michelle Powell is, I think you could probably lock him in as one of the safeties to start, but I, I think they're going to see a battle from a Mark Keith Williams and uh, Jaden Harris. Um, I think, you know, those guys did see some playing time last year. They've stayed with the program. So I know they both believe that they should be on the field. So I think it's going to be a battle um, for that safety spot, in my, in my opinion. Um, I, I think all three of those guys are capable, um, you know, especially with, you know, Cameron uh, Kitchens and James Williams now going on to the NFL. Uh, they learn from those guys, you know. I, I think they learned a lot from from those guys and and what it is to to be a pro and to be a leader. So, yeah, I I, I wouldn't be totally surprised if one of those guys, you know, stepped up and made uh, the starting spot. Uh, the other spot for me that's interesting. There's a couple uh, spots on defense for me actually. Is the third linebacker. Because, you know, it's all the basically the rookies, right? <laughs> it's Popo. It's Marcellus Pulliam. It's it's uh, Bobby Washington, you know. So I think and then Malik Bryant as well. You got you got those guys. And then you got, you know, Darius Hayes and Cameron Pruitt who are, you know, fresh, you know, fresh guys, uh, uh, fresh as as in college freshmen. Um, but it's going to be one of those four guys to kind of step up. I think it's going to be Popo. In my opinion, you know, uh, I think Marcellius Pulliam is, is is really close as well. But in my opinion, just kind of based on, you know, snap counts and and just how much he did see the field uh, last season as a freshman. I think he he's going to be the guy. But who is going to be at the tackle? Frank, let me just ask you. Uh, it's it's going to be a rotation again. And, and I think there were even points of last year where we saw. One week it was a couple guys, one week, you know, there was really just one consistent, right? And, and honestly, I don't really know who it's going to be, right? Mm -hmm. there, there's a ton of – Ahmad Moten is a guy who I have loved since he's come to the University of Miami. He did have some moments last year once he finally got opportunity. Is he going to come in and be a guy immediately, right? Is a Justin Scott going to be a freshman All-American for the University of Miami? That's another question because – but listen, Miami prioritized him in the 2024 class for a reason. He's a freak athlete. He does everything you need to from the position. And if Miami is trying to look more like an NFL team, right, if they want to project out to the NFL, which is what Mario Cristobal has been doing in the trenches, and they want to have a Francis Malanoa type player on that defensive line, it could be a Justin Scott, right? We got to see how he does because – if he comes in and lights it up right away, he's going to take one of those spots, right? <laughs> and and C.J. Clark obviously is a monster as a one technique. He, he, he is a bully on the interior. He does everything that you need to. Um, 
and he's not going to get crazy sack production. His stats aren't going to wow you, but it's just the, the, the Debo type nature of his game that I think Miami wanted at, at that one technique spot. Cause they have a, a litany of, of pass rushers that can play at that three technique position guys yeah. that can jump out to a four eye and give some flexibility to that, to that defensive line. C.J. Clark can man the middle of that defensive line, playing nose tackle, you know, play a little bit of, you know, two-eye type stuff. He, he's just dominant at the point of contact, strong, physical type player that Miami has been looking for at that defensive tackle, that, that massive defensive tackle position uh, for a little bit now. Um, and listen, I, I think that, you know, they brought in the Marley kid from middle Tennessee. Yeah, I was going to mention I'm I'm a little skeptical, right? Just from Why? listen, the body type, right? The, like if you look at what Miami's been trying to do from a physical standpoint, he doesn't necessarily fit the mold. Now, if you're looking at it from a production standpoint, he's elite. He's one of the best defensive tackles returning in college football. He's a pressure monster. Uh, he was he was really good last year, but he was really good at Middle Tennessee State. Right. And I know people are going to say he did it against the University of Miami, but is he going to be able to do it against the teams that play against the University of Miami? You can get up for one game when that one game is really your Super Bowl of the season. But are you going to be able to do that on a 12-game, 13, 14, 15-game basis? That's yeah. going to be the question for, for Marley, I think. So, overall, I love the defensive tackle position at Miami. I love the defensive line in general just because you've added so much talent like the guy we're not even talking about that could end up playing defensive tackle as soon as this year is Armando Blunt, right? And I know he's 17 – he's like 17 years old, right? So yeah. it's probably not likely that we're going to see him on the field right away, but right. he's a five-star talent for a reason. And <laughs> if, you, if you're trying to get a guy on the field as a third-down pass rusher, you know, you're trying to just get some – you know, a, a monsters type team on that, on that defensive line on third down, he might be a guy that you have to throw in there. Just because of his athletic traits, he's growing rapidly still because he's not even 18 yet. And he's a freak. He's a freak talent that we have been talking about since his eighth grade year at Dillard High School. Uh, So so I I think there's so much talent there. But if if you had to put a gun to my head and tell me who the two starters were going to be next year, I'd probably say Ahmad Moten and I would probably say C.J. Clark. Interesting. Um, a couple of names that uh, will be in the mix, too, is Jared Harrison Hunt. I mean, he's like a veteran that, you know, just may get that spot. And, um, you know, I hear what you're saying about Marley Cook, uh, because Marley Cook could be another Thomas Gore. You know what I mean? As far as like Thomas Gore was super productive at Georgia State, but he comes in here a little undersized and, you know, he, you know, was played sparingly last season. Um, but what was exciting to see is that Marley Cook set the record for squats, a uh, program record for squats. So, you know, maybe it's a little bit different. Um, you know, I I think he has a really good chance to kind of get in there and maybe start. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out at, at D-Tackle. That should be an interesting battle. Now, as far as this U8 camp is concerned, man um you know a ton of guys a ton of players across the board here um you know you name it we've got Miami commit Wade and Charles that will be uh participating in this camp 
as well as other big name receivers like Joshua Moore, Nashawn Montgomery, Cortez Mills. Um, and on on the defensive side of the ball, you got a Bryce Fitzgerald, you got um Amari Wallace. I mean, the names just keep going on and on. So at the end of these camps, they always do the MVPs. So I'm just going to ask you straight up. You had a chance to kind of look at the list here. Uh, we'll start at quarterback. Who do you think ends up being the quarterback MVP? Yeah, I think it's going to be a four-way race. You got Dia Bell, who's the highest-ranked guy in in this in this camp. Um, he's probably going to be the favorite going in for that. And Yo Yapour, who we know is just a gamer. Um, Zach Katz, who's the young gun. He's a guy who's taken the role at Chaminade. Um, from C.J. Bailey, I think that he's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the country in that 2027 class when those rankings finally come out. And another guy who just moved down here and is going to Western High School is three-star quarterback with about double-digit offers, Sebastian Serco. He does well in these camp settings. He's an accurate passer. Uh, you know, he's more of a pro-style type player, so I think this kind of fits what he does well. Um, he said I he think moved down here? He moved here from Nebraska. Uh, yeah, he was from the Lincoln area. So, okay. uh, what school? Yeah. Is, what school is he at? Uh, he's at Western. He's at oh, Western okay. High School. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think he's going to be one of the you know higher ranked quarterbacks in South Florida going into next season. And this is a very South Florida based quarterback group. Uh, you know, you don't see a lot of the guys from the up north area. No Noah Grubs, from what I've seen on the roster. Um, you know, some of those guys could pop up, but. Um, from right now, from what I've seen, I think it's probably going to be a Dia Bell or Enyo Yipor that ends up taking the MVP here just because they are guys that have proven themselves on the highest level. I think that they have a mature level to their game that maybe the other guys don't have just yet. And we haven't seen a ton of Sebastian Circle yet, so I, I think he's more of a dark horse, um, and I'm going to go with those two guys from powerhouse schools down here. And another guy that we didn't mention in defensive tackle is a guy we've talked about uh, you know, as one of my favorite players on the roster for that 2023 class was Joshua Horton. Uh, he was a guy that we really didn't speak about. He's he's gonna be a he's gonna be a guy that's gonna push for that three technique spot as well. He's a freak athlete. Uh, like I told, I, I've said time and time again, the staff thought of him as a potential first round draft pick when it's his time to go to the NFL. So uh, I know we didn't see a ton of him last year, um, but he maybe he's a guy that emerges uh, in the spring <laughs> because from a physical standpoint. 305 pounds, freak athlete, six foot three, six foot four. Uh, he, he's exactly what you want at that three technique spot. But Bolton's got the experience, and I think that he's a gamer. I, I just, you know, he's, that's my guy. So I'm yeah. a little bit of bias with that with that pick. Got you. Um, another player I wanted to mention since we kind of reverted back to the D tackle thing is I don't think they'll play him versus in spring is a key Mesendorf. That's a that's a guy that you can play as a three technique guy. So I think he could be in the mix as well. You may just see two veterans in there and Jared Harrison Hunt and and Mesador to kind of keep it safe and then kind of rotate these younger guys in there. Um, so that's something to definitely watch as well. Uh, let's move on to running back, though, man. Um, for me, the two names that kind of stood out for me is Javion Mallory. I, I think that kid is like a beast, even though he's, he's 26, right? 2026 20, kid. 2026, yeah. top five running back. Yeah, like so he, he's elite. So I think he is my number one contender to get the, the MVP. And second for me is DeAndre Desinor. I think he has something to prove. I feel like he's maybe been under the radar a little bit for the past few months or so. There's been kind of talks of, of other running backs in the state, and I think this is a great opportunity for him to really kind of show what he can do. 
We'll say you. That was exactly my two picks. Those are, <laughs> those are my guys. Uh, beyond, and, and I know people are going to look at JV and Mallory as like a 6'1", 205, 210-pound back and say he's more of a power guy, right? No, he's not. He had 250 yards receiving and two touchdowns against Coconut Creek last year, which was probably the best public school program in Broward County last year. Uh, and almost knocked off Shamanad Madonna, like defense full of Division One guys, and and he toasted them as a receiver. Only 60 yards rushing, over 300 yards of total offense, but he did it all through the air. He's he's just one of those kids that makes plays happen, and it's, it doesn't always look fast. It doesn't always look explosive, but he is pulling away from people on a consistent basis. He did it to several top teams last year, uh, including that Coconut Creek team, including teams like Ely. Um, you know, I think if he would have been healthy in their playoff game against, I think Atlantic, they probably win in that in that matchup. Uh, so overall, you know, I, I think he's going to be one of the best players in the event overall. And DeAndre Desnort is ten five sub ten five speed. He's an elite talent. Uh, whether that's catching the football at the backfield, being an inside zone guy, just tossing it out to him, we've seen it time and time again that he could be a seventy yard play every time he steps onto the field. And I got a chance to see him last weekend at the Cam Newton 7-on-7 event, or two weekends ago at the Cam Newton 7-on-7 event. And first play of the tournament, he's scoring a touchdown on just a route up the middle of the defense. Just nobody could touch him. And so I think that there's going to be a lot of that, especially from a linebacker group where high school kids don't typically know how to cover running backs out of the backfield, especially when they are 10-4, 10-5 type speeds. So – yeah, I, I, I love those two guys. I probably would go with DeAndre Desnor for this one just because I think that he's such an explosive player and that's going to stand out in a setting just like this. Good stuff. Uh, wide receiver, man. Loaded group. Loaded group here at wide receiver naturally because this is like wide receiver county or state, country, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, Nashawn Montgomery, you got Wade and Charles. Um Cortez Mills, Joshua Moore are my top four guys right there. And it's it's interesting to kind of figure out, okay, so who's going to really show out in these settings? Joshua Moore is probably, to me, the most talented of all of them. But haven't seen him in seven-on-seven. And I think that's actually probably going to hurt him in this regard because he hasn't really seen competition different types of coverages here in the off season. I don't know, you know, what exactly he might be doing in the off season. Maybe he could be, you know, training on his own with uh, some elite trainer or something like that. But just because of that, and for, for the sake of this question on this podcast, I wouldn't pick him. Now, as far as the other guys, you know, um, Wade and Charles, I know he had a hamstring injury. So he's kind of been in, in and out of a, of uh, seven on seven this time around. So I'll knock him out only because of that, um, just to kind of make a decision here. So Nashawn Montgomery or Cortez Mills, I think it's going to be Cortez Mills because it just seems like he has, he wants to prove that he's really that guy. And I think he proved that. I mean, for me, he's been that guy for like two years. I, I can say he's been that guy. And then he proved it even more in the state championship game for me. And then, you know, at battle Miami, he had a great battle Miami as well. So I think that will continue. So I'll, I'll give the nod to Cortez Mills to get the MVP at wide receiver. Yeah. So for me, I love the Cortez Mills pick. I think that he's a monster. Um, 
Now, I do think that he's a little bit more of a jump ball guy, which might hurt him a little bit in this setting, right? And, and we see him break tackles down the field after he's catching stuff. So for me, it's going to be more route runner type guys that I think end up taking the show here. They're going to be, you know, embarrassing guys, especially when you can't really get hands on them. That's going to be the Malachi Tonys of the world. That's going to be the Winston Watkins of the world. I think Nashawn Montgomery fits that mold. He's super smooth in and out of his breaks. He is a versatile route runner. And another two guys that I really like, one is an Ohio State guy. That's Javon Boggs from Coco. Uh, I like him a lot, too. He he is dominant in and out of his breaks from, like, 15 to 25. He's almost uncoverable. (laughs) Um, And then Khalil Sterling is my dark horse of this wide receiver group out of Miami Central. was elite this year. He is explosive. I think that he's a faster version of Winston Watkins, and they are two really good players. Uh, so I, I, I think it's going to be hard to pick an MVP. If you had to ask me, I'm going to go Nation Montgomery. Um, if I had to pick a second guy to 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 be up there, it's going to be Malachi Tony. I think Malachi Tony is on a rampage this offseason. We've seen him in seven-on-seven dominating. Uh, he wants to prove that he's the best receiver in the country. I think when the rankings came out across the industry, he wanted to prove a point that, okay, you guys are all sleeping on me. Uh, I, I've been probably the most productive guy in my class. So far at the highest level, why are you guys sleeping? Don't worry. I'm going to make you guys feel it. And I think that he's going to come into this one and want this event. I think he's going to come into this one and be a menace to defensive backs. But Nation Montgomery, this is his event. If we go back to the any of the videos from last year, it almost always included Nation Montgomery, right? Like he was dominating. He has the six foot one, six foot two length. He's got the you know the the high point ball skills, the route running acumen. Uh, he he's he's elite strider. Uh, so I, I think that he's probably going to take this. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a Cortez Mills. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a Khalil Sterling, who Miami fans need to watch for. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Javon Box because of his elite running ability, elite route running ability. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was Malachi Tony. This is going to be so fun to watch with this receiver group. Like, we are going to be able to scout the top receivers in the country over the next two classes. Like, I didn't even mention Daenerys Gray. I didn't even mention Josh Moore. Like, I didn't mention Samari Reed. You know, there are so many receivers. And I I think that we're going to have – I think that we're going to have a hard time keeping our eyes on everybody because it's both sides of the field. And I think that the UA guys are going to have a hard time picking an MVP overall. Yeah, I totally agree. But let's see who they're going to be matched up against. I'm playing uh, highlights of Nashawn Montgomery here. Your pick to win the MVP at wide receiver. Defensive back, uh, it's going to be tough for these guys uh, against this loaded wide receiver group for sure. But you got guys like, you know, Amari Wallace and, um, you know, Bryce Fitzgerald and, you know, um, a, a ton of guys out there. Um, for me, I, I'm just going to say Bryce Fitzgerald, you know, just because, you know, he's just a, he's just a tremendous athlete, super competitive. And I, I think this is going to be his time uh, to shine and make some plays and maybe get an interception or two and really show just how versatile an athlete he is and take home the MVP. How about you? For me... It's going to be the guy that is the most technically sound, is the best covered guy at this event. and you, But it is going to be Chris Ewald Jr. from Chaminade Madonna. This kid is going to 
dominate this event, I think, no matter who goes in front of him. He's gone against most of these guys, whether it was in seven on seven or on Friday nights. And he has shown up time and time again against all of them. He had a mur- he's had a murderer's row of receivers come his way over the last two years. And, and he, he practices and he practiced against JJ and Jojo the past couple of years. Practices against JJ, Jojo, Daenerys, Kyle. Now he's against Jabari Brady. You know, he, he's against uh, you know, Wade and Charles in practice for seven on seven. He's against Kamari Williams in practice for seven on seven. Jaquari Lewis when he when he's at receiver. Like it, it is he is game ready every time he steps on the field. He's mature beyond his years. He's not just a freak athlete at the cornerback position that's a project. And I think that he's going to come in ready to, to go in this tournament. He's healthy. Uh, he's got the length to be able to match up against some of these taller receivers. And he's got the technical prowess to be able to maintain composure against some of these faster guys. So I think that he's probably going to be shining through more than anybody else. I think Ben Hanks is a close second. I think the t- safeties are probably going to have a tougher time in this event because they're so used to playing off coverage or not typically, you know, being within 10 yards of somebody, especially yeah. like a Bryce Fitzgerald who plays a lot of center field type, uh, you know, coverage at Christopher Columbus High School. You know, that's what he did a lot this year. And, yes, I know he played some cover two stuff, and I know he has the athletic ability to be able to do pretty much anything on the football field. That's why we're able to see him at receiver dominate as well at times. But, for me, it's Chris Ewald, and if it's not Chris Ewald, it's Ben Hanks because Ben Hanks is one of those special players, especially when the ball is in the air. We saw time and time again him making plays and scoring touchdowns on the defensive side of the ball for a reason. So those are my two picks for defensive back in this one. Before we kind of go into the trenches here, um, just all, all of these players uh, that are connected to Miami, I kind of want to point out Miami interested, of course, in Diabelle uh, at quarterback. They're interested in both uh, JVL Mallory and DeAndre Desinor, uh, who we talked about at receiver, pretty much every wide receiver, including, of course, uh, you know, the, the Miami commit, Wade and Charles. They're interested in Nashawn uh, Montgomery and Cortez Mills and, Joshua Moore, these are all players that have visited Miami um, who have relationship, uh, a relationship with uh, Coach Kevin Beard and Chris Ewald, who you just mentioned as well, also connected to Miami, just decommitted from Michigan. Um, I'm I'm hearing that, you know, things are looking good for for Miami and Chris Ewald. Um, So what's your what's your intel on that, Frank? Uh, Miami's in a really good spot here. I think, you know, Michigan depleting their coaching staff to the Chargers kind of took them out uh, of the race in a a lot of different ways. Uh, I think Florida State's probably going to end up with Greg Zay Thomas, and they brought in so many defensive backs in this class. I think Miami's going to prioritize him the same way that they did with Zaquan Patterson in the last class. They're going to make him one of the prized recruits of the 2025 class, along with guys like DJ Pickett. Uh, at the defensive back spot, right? It, if you could make, if you could add one corner like a Chris Ewald, who's one of the best players, thirty best players in the country, and then add a DJ Pickett, who's a top ten type talent, you're in a good shape. Like I've spoke about, what Miami's plan is going to be in recruiting in 2025. It's going to be about dominating at defensive back. They've dominated at at receiver at times in recruiting. They've dominated along the offensive line adding double-digit guys in the last two classes, not even talking about the transfer portal. 
Then you see what they did with a generational type class on the defensive line in 2024. We know the type of talent that they've added at linebacker, and there's only two guys that can play the position there. What's left? Corner, cornerback, and safety, especially with, when you have two two all-time greats end up leaving the program. I think that Chris Ewald is in a really good position with Miami. He has visited multiple times since his commitment, and I think that you know when things open back up again, it's only going to get closer and closer to a commitment for Chris Ewald. Um, to the University of Miami. I, 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 I listen. I'm not saying he's going to come in anytime soon, but I think that you know after the after the, he goes through his official visits and his process, I think Miami's going to come out shining through better than everybody else. I, I know Georgia is going to be a factor. Michigan's still pushing really hard here. You're going to see teams like Texas A&M and, and and others, you know, still try to get into the race. You know, Alabama is a team that still has an elite coaching staff on the defensive side of things. LSU with Corey Raymond back over there. Could he want to say, what's up with Chris Ewald? That's something that could be interesting. But I like where Miami's at. And I think when the dominoes start falling and a, and a Ben Hanks goes to Florida and a Greg Zay Thomas goes to uh, a Florida State, I think that the guy that Miami's going to be pushing for the most is going to be C.J. Ewald. And it's going to work out in a big way because he's a guy that's ready to play um, soon, and they're going to have a need at cornerback, right? Daryl Porter's yeah. probably gone after this year. Jadias Richard is going to be draft eligible after this season, right? Yeah. Like, Yeah, I expect him to have a big year. I expect him to have a big year, and, and we don't know how things could go, right? So you could be down to like three or four cornerbacks realistically, true cornerbacks, because what if Ryan Mack ends up playing that nickel spot, right? If Dylan Day isn't a nickel, he's not a true corner. Uh, does OJ Frederick end up moving to safety? You know, like you Still don't have it. Yeah, you don't. You don't have a ton of cornerbacks, right? And, and I think that he becomes a priority throughout the process. And I think he ends up at the University of Miami. Got you, uh, Bryce Fitzgerald uh, is another guy uh, also connected to Miami. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ended up at the U. I feel like Miami is the front runner there as well. So um, onto the trenches, man. Um, Offensive line is, you know, it, it's it's not a huge camp when it comes to offensive line, but where are some of the offensive line guys that stand out in this UA camp for you, Frank? There's a couple of them, both of them young guys, one in 26 and one in 27. That's Ben Gula, who recently transferred to Shamanah Madonna, around six foot five, 275, 280 pounds, physically fits the mold of what Miami is looking for at the offensive line position, just chiseled up for offensive linemen. Good length, solid film over the last two years has been improving dramatically as a player. And now he's going to Shaman Abadana where they're going to play a gauntlet and he's going to be prepared to play at the highest level when he gets to college. And we've seen them develop guys like DeAndre Dufus and, um, you know, guys that have gone to the Power Five ranks and, and, and are looking like guys that could be good players. Um, so I, I like where he's going as a prospect. I think that Miami is keeping tabs. We know they want to be at Shaman Abadana basically as much as possible with as much talent as they have over the next three classes. And I think that he's probably going to be my MVP for this event just because of his potential and his athletic traits at that position uh, mixed with his size. Another guy that's a young guy that I like at the center spot is Jaden Dean. Uh, you know, Ricky Williams from South Florida Express, that's that's his yeah. son and and right. he has become a power five prospect rather quickly. He's like yeah. double digit offers now. 
uh, just transferred to St. Thomas Aquinas. Is gonna be, yeah, <laughs> and 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 listen, he is every bit of six two, six three, two hundred eighty, two hundred eighty five pounds as yeah. a freshman. Was a yeah, was, was a guy who was playing a, a huge amount of snaps for that Miami Norland team that went to the state championship uh, and looked really good doing it. Uh, and now he's at St. Thomas Aquinas. He's going to man that center spot oh, wow. for them for the next three years. Uh, he's going to be a guy that's 20-plus, 30-plus offers by the time it's National Signing Day, whether that's going to be in the summer as they're starting to transition it or if it's going to be in the early signing day period in December. I, I think that he's going to be one of the top centers in the country when it's his time. And, you know, we've seen him in All-American games already. He's looked really good. And I think he's going to look really good because I don't think this is an elite defensive line group uh, that's going to be at this event. So he's going to – He's going to be a guy that shoots up potential rankings in 2027 uh, early on in the process here. Yeah, 100%. Uh, let's just quickly move on to D Lyman, where I, I think Miami is looking to kind of continue the pipelines, you know, uh, just like they have with the powerhouses in South Florida, like Columbus, Chaminade, Miami Central. And I think this is an opportunity for the Miami Central D lineman, Randy Adarica, uh, to really kind of show what he can do. For some reason, he's a little bit under the radar. Uh, and I think this is a, a a chance for him to really kind of show what he can do. Every time I see him in a, in a camp setting, um, he shines. At, at last year's Miami camp, I thought he shined big time alongside uh, on Armando Blunt. So I think he – fits the mold of what they are trying to build, continue to build at Miami. And it continues the pipeline as well. So the other the other guy to kind of keep an eye on, I think will start to get better is Dante Simpson. Uh, I think this guy is, you know, he, he made some plays last year uh, that really kind of jumped off the tape. And I think he will have an opportunity this season to really kind of show what he can do. And, and in this camp setting, I think he can really show his athletic ability and really kind of show, you know, that he is going to be a force to be reckoned with for Shamanad Madonna and somebody needs to kind of pick him up sooner than later. Yeah. There's three guys for me that are intriguing, right? Obviously spoke about Randy. I don't got to get into him too much. I think every Canes fan knows what he brings to the table, but Myron Charles, uh, Jacquez Carter, uh, our two guys of Miami is heavy on at the defensive tackle position. And a guy that I think is going to be a guy that blows up and has four-star potential is Demetrius Gathers. Uh, he's a Miami legacy. Uh, his, yeah. his co- I, I think his cousin played um, for, for Miami. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, his, uh, you know, Gathers, who played in the early 2000s, was a running back receiver, combo yeah. player. Uh, this kid is like six foot three, six foot four, 210 pounds, chiseled up. Uh, had a solid season for West Boca this year. His, recruiting, his recruitment has been picking up in a big way uh, since this past season. He's still young, uh, and I think that with his length, his athletic traits, his bend on the edge, if you turn on the tape, he's, he's a guy that is your prototypical pass rusher. Um, you know, not going to be a, a massive player from a frame. Like, he's 210 pounds right now. I think that he could get up to 235, 240 by the time he gets to college. Um, and, and he's just a really good defensive end prospect uh, that not a lot of people know about yet. And this is going to be his first opportunity to just dominate what is not a crazy strong offensive line group uh, and, and win rep after rep. And I think that with all the media that's there, he's going to be a guy that 
has potential to jump into the rankings um, in 2026 over the next couple of months because he's a really good player. Yeah. He's got the tools. He's got the athletic pedigree. Miami ties. It is his dream school when I got a chance to talk to him earlier this year. Uh, and he's a name that Miami fans should probably be watching. Awesome. Uh, last uh, position group is linebacker. And th- there's a few guys on here, but I actually didn't see a ton that really kind of jumped out to me name names-wise or like name recognition recognition wise you could yeah. say uh but for you man uh, who who kind of stands out and who do you think will win the mvp brian junius who picked up a miami offer and florida state uh just a couple weeks ago and then obviously ezekiel marcelin who i think is going to be the defensive or the the linebacker mvp for this for this event it's cool. two local guys um but i i think that they're <coughs> probably the two best players at this event they're very good athletes at the position uh, you know, not massive players, but they, they do really well in space. If you look at Brian Junius, he's a former running back. He can move. Uh, and, and when he strikes, it's it's what Miami is looking for. He's, he, I think that they both fit the mold of like a Wesley Bissane type player with a little bit better, uh, you know, pass ability to cover. You know what I'm saying? I, I think that they got a little bit of a better coverage ability. They're more interior type guys, probably more inside linebackers and Wesley, who we see playing a lot of edge sometimes, playing outside linebacker. We saw him play some nickel uh, his senior year at Miami Central. But I think that they're better players from a linebacker coverage standpoint. And I think that they're going to do a good job. We saw Ezekiel Marcelin. Uh, he had a bigger frame the first time we saw him at this this UAE camp last year. And I think that yeah. he's going to continue to develop in that Miami Central weight room where they, they create dogs. And he's going to be one of those guys that, continues to fill out the frame he's going to look good in this event he's the top ranked guy uh, from what i can see and then brian junius is the 2026 guy uh to watch here for me tell you what a dark a dark horse for me is dylan gill uh dylan gill out of south dade he just has really good coverage skills and these are the type of events that you know will kind of i guess accentuate those type of skills when I watched him at the football hotbed seven on seven tournament, this guy was covering Jamie French, you know, and running with him, you know. So I think he's a really under under the radar prospect that uh, a lot of people don't really know about. Um, uh, I hear that Louisville is probably the favorite right now for him. But this guy is, you know, may end up being a really good player, like on the next level because he's so under the radar playing with a chip on his shoulder. And I, I think he's a dark horse player to kind of watch at linebacker for this UA camp. Yeah. And another guy to watch for me, Palm beach guy. Not a lot of people know about him. Al- Adam Balagoon Ali, uh, about six foot two, two Oh five, really good athlete. Had a good year for Benjamin this past season has picked up steam as a recruit. I think he's going to end up being a four star type prospect. So he's a guy that we got to watch here. He's a little bit younger. I think he's 2026. 20, uh, so it's he's not a guy that I think is going to win the MVP here. I think it's going to be Ezekiel Marcelin. But I I, I really want to see how. Sorry about that. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yes. <laughs> 
losing Frank in and out. Um, but that was going to pretty much wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Anyways, um, so interesting to see what spring football will will bring us as well as this UA camp. Uh, looks like Frank is coming back here. Sorry right. about that. Yeah, go Technical ahead. difficulties. Uh, but no, I, I like I said, I, I think that, you know, those are the two guys in 2026 that I, I'm really excited to see. So um, yeah. going to be a chance for them to get put on the map here. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say, wrapping it up here for the Storm Tracker podcast, this edition, make sure you subscribe to the website, canescounty.com for free. Use the promo code Miami30. Also subscribe to this podcast on all platforms. Subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County. Plenty of premium content coming next week with spring football and plenty of interviews and scoop from the prospects that we'll see at the UA camp. Until the next episode.